Be part of the conversation. Join the Hope Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October. You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Hi, once more, this is Vicky Kolovo from Tech Talk Central. And I have with me two ladies and a gentleman. I'll actually start from a gentleman this time. Ed Hammond, he's director for the Duke Center for Health Informatics and Chair Emeritus, I don't know if you like that word, HL7 um, International. Welcome, Ed. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. What a beautiful voice, made for the microphone. On my right is Anne, or she will pronounce it much better, Anna Moen, she says. Um, she's the president of the European Federation for Medical Informatics and professor at the University of Oslo. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. And on my left, somebody that we have interviewed before and we know, Catherine Kornacki. She's a secretary general for the HL7 Foundation, and she sort of organized this um, a panel discussion, because it's going to be a discussion. Welcome, Catherine. Well, I'm very happy to be here, and uh, I must set the record st uh, straight. This is a joint organization between the European Federation of Medical Informatics and HL7 in a partnership between health informatics and standards. Okay, that was great. So um, these guys have a concept, an idea, which involves the digital health compass. And I think Ona is the best to sort of, as a professor, tell us what it's all about. Well, uh, the digital health compass is an idea uh, that we uh, like to discuss and like to develop. And it deals, uh, it focuses on uh, resources that we as uh, consumers uh, need and can use to orient ourselves and take more advantage of all the achievements and innovations in e-health. The problem is that uh, we're not uh, sufficiently leveraging the investments because we don't get the patients, the citizens, the people in need uh, on board and we also need to rethink how we're getting the professionals, the nurses, the doctors, uh, and everyone that's providing care also into the um, discussion, because our success depends on their use and their feedback. So, I'll ask you about the patient. I'm a patient, or just a, I'm not a patient, I'm, I'm just a, a normal human being that has my own data. Where in all this equation are you thinking of um, placing? You talked about the professionals. Um, there's a lot of data running around. And you seem to want to consolidate or let me as um, a potential patient to control it. Have I understood it correctly? Uh, yeah, we, want, uh, we think of the digital health compass as the resource that you can take advantage of to navigate in the health system. That's the reason why we chose the word and the uh, comparison to a compass. Um, what we see in policies and in uh, research and also uh, just 
being participants in the society is that we engage more and more so with uh, fragments of health data. And uh, recent policies at national level as well as the European level points for calls for a shift from uh, sick care to health care where uh, prevention, early intervention is crucial and in order to achieve those goals we need to uh, massively educate or provide learning opportunities for people to uh, know how to better interpret uh, their data, how to uh, see care efficiently, what sort of care, uh, how can we, uh, and with a more uh, engaged, uh, equipped um, um, uh, patient citizen population, we will be, we, we will uh, like to see how this evolves um, in uh, terms of engagement and in terms of facilitating for or driving that shift from a sick care focus to a more health and wellness uh, focus. And, of course, in the long run, uh, that makes us more happy, hopefully, but it also makes our health systems uh, more sustainable because we are better able to do the right things right. So I, I hear prevention and to keep us safe, and I also hear digital literacy. So, Ed, um, can patients and the population get grasps, come into grasp with informatics? Uh, I think that the, um, the, the answer is difficult because a lot of the words that we use do not have a precise definition. And uh, it begins with something you just said when you talked about the fact that I'm, I'm not a patient, I'm just really a person. And so we find it difficult to understand how to label us because uh, I view myself as a, as a patient, but I, the word citizen is used, which I don't particularly care for. Human is a word that I use sometimes, but it's, it's really just us. And I think that's important in terms of what we're doing. So when people ask me what I do and I tell them that I am an informatician, invariably they say, what's that? And uh, I, I find it difficult to explain what that is. But, uh, you know, the, things are changing very rapidly. And uh, there is a study that was recently reported uh, that said that clinical data only represents 10% of what impacts our health status. 40% is behavior. And so if I really lived in an ideal world and we're making people very healthy, I would focus on that behavior. And so where all of this digital compass is ending up, in my opinion, hopefully, uh, is where individuals will begin to understand their role in making sure they have a high quality of life and a lengthy life. And much of that has to do with behavior. Okay, uh, this is nice because I realize it's we're shifting. Humans, I agree with you, Ed, and prevention is for people that have no problems right now. So they're healthy and suddenly they come into the equation because up to now, when we were talking about e-healthy, it was always about sick people. So we were all working for that and see what's going on. And But I think it's all human beings have to consider that. Catherine, I'll come to you. So 
this is a concept. I know you have a panel tomorrow here at eHealth Week. So where are you right now? Um, what are you doing about getting this out to the, to the public and having um, those that are decision makers listening? Um, so there is a personal motivation behind this. I would like to make sense of what my data is about, what my data tell me about me, and I would like to have confidence whether I am in health, healthy, and that's about managing my lifestyle, and also in disease. I want to be confident that the decisions that I make when I'm sick are the right ones because they do have a long-term impact. So that's what my data means to me, and that's what the digital health compass means to me. And I think that the audience might relate to that. You have a sick child at home. Do you know what is the best choice? Should you take the child to the hospital, or should you call in a doctor or a nurse? I mean, this is a critical decision. Hospitals today carry out a risk, particularly for young children, right? So... How do you learn what is the right thing to do? And we talk a lot about patient empowerment, citizen empowerment, but in the end, what matters is knowledge. And some of that knowledge is actually hidden. It's hidden in medical journals. It's hidden within guidelines that are not accessible to regular people. And I think we need to make some change here. Some people mentioned, for instance, uh, that um, we leave the Gutenberg moment for, uh, for healthcare the same way that printing revolutionized, uh, brought a disruption, a huge disruption in the way that we deal with knowledge, in the way we live, in the way we communicate, in the way we act, behave. The same way here, we are facing an implosion of the health sector. So my uh, what I'm striving at is to understand what are the right standards that would help us be confident and safe in health, whether we are healthy or in disease, whether we are facing with managing a disease. Okay, so on, I'm coming back to you. Can you give specific examples? Let's say if it works out, in two years you have to sort of not implemented, obviously, you're, you're just starting the idea. But what would be an ideal case um, for you in the future? How do we, would you see me with a USB stick with all my data plugging into a pharmacy? We talked about that example yesterday when we were talking about this idea. But do you have some example, some you'd like to see that would prove that this has been successful, is working out as an idea? I would, yeah, that's that's a challenging uh, question, uh, a very good one though. Um, I would uh, see that uh, we as uh, humans uh, are um, have access to and use our own data in com combination with all the resources that's out there uh, from uh, research experiences from uh, other patients and are able to make trade-offs uh, of seeking care or uh, choosing to to postpone uh, uh, also uh, I would think that you would have a, uh, 
maybe more like in the old days when we had these bank accounts and these books type thing. You had a, you have a you could uh, actually collect your data, your medical data, your behavioral data, your personal observations into a uh, to into a uh, yeah bank book type thing, uh, like a personal repository. And uh, depending on your own uh, preferences and your choice, you could uh, choose to share to share share that with uh, providers, with family, with those helping you. Uh, In my country, one of the pressing issues is the medication list, because we have a system where you can get some medication over the counter, but also you have. um, uh, a lot of prescription medicines, and especially elderly people, for example, have six to ten prescription medicines each. Uh, the problem is that uh, as this person, this elderly person, travels in the healthcare system, there is uh, a lot of people making decisions and evaluations of your medication, but uh, the information doesn't necessarily follow suit. We have e-prescription, but that's just for the communication to the pharmacy. We have uh, messages between hospitals and and home care, but that's just the one-way partial thing uh, because the general practitioner, the GP, may may or may not be part of the equation. And then, of course, that's for prescribed prescribed medication, but what we know is all the vitamins and supplements and uh, other substances uh, or over-the-counter medications. So I think that the first... um, one of the first products that I would see or one of the first prototypes of the Compass uh, idea would be how you could uh, use um, the information and how you could um, bring information with you as you're navigating in the health system and make sure that you are the center of control because you're also the person that has the most interest in an accurate account. Okay, um, Ed, what I'm hearing from what um, Anna is saying is that um, instead of having my all my information fragmented into all these different services and problem that the government or each country can't really solve right now as it seems, let me empower me to sort of gather everything and then move between GPs and whatever and have all my data. Um, does that, where, where does that have, ha- help? Does it just solve that problem? Does it the digital health compass does it also deal with the fact of fear because when we talk about data during the e-health week I already started hearing it patients and data and their fear of um, giving out their data does it all de- also deal with that issue how do you see it so I answer this question personally and at, at one time I was very data-oriented. I wanted to know everything in my EHR that the hospital had. And, uh, but, but then when I started behaving differently, understanding as I aged why, what data I was interested in, I changed. I want to tell you two stories. The first story uh, is when uh, I was diagnosed as having type 2 diabetes. And they were the doctor was teaching me how to take a blood sample and measure my glucose and was ready to put me on a medication. And I said, wait a minute, let me see what I can do outside of that. 
So that became my awareness of a disease. The next thing I did was to study on the Internet, Google, uh, diabetes, and understand the factors that contributed to my higher blood sugar. And so uh, I became informed of the causes. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I did was to then educate myself on how to do something. I, for example, didn't go on a diabetic diet. What I did was to find out what foods were high in sugar content and what foods wasn't. And so I, in my mind, was able to remember this I can eat and this I can't eat. So my behavior began to change. And so now I'm doing action. And then the third thing I do is I continue to measure. So I measure my weight. I measure my blood glucose occasionally. And actually, I measure my blood pressure because I subsequently was diagnosed with hypertension. <clears throat> so having those parameters, I change my behavior accordingly. So if my blood sugar goes up a little bit, I think about what I've eaten and don't eat that again. Same thing with calories and everything else. So that's one story. So through so all of that, I was sufficiently motivated. Mm-hmm. And as a result, my hemoglobin A1C went way down. Uh, and glucose went way down to the point my doctor says, you can bring it up a little bit if you want to. So I was down that low. <clears throat> the second story I will tell you is that I'm wearing a, uh, a, an, Apple. an Apple watch that, that measures certain things. Uh, as part of a research experiment, I'm doing at Duke with, with HL7 Fire and Smart. And so the information from this goes to my iPhone and goes to my chart in Duke's electronic health record system and is available to my personal care provider. And so I'm in an HL7 meeting in Paris and I get an email from my personal provider that says, Ed, I've noticed that your blood pressure for the last two weeks has been running at 105 and I'm worried about you might have some dizziness. Uh, I think it's lower than it needs to be and I want you to take the medicine that you're taking for your blood pressure to cut it in half. So bite your pill in half and take half of it. And I did that, and my blood pressure is now back up around 115 to 120. So it, it worked out very well. And then most recently, uh, another message from my provider who is monitoring. About once a month, I think she looks at my data, and my Apple Watch measures my heart rate. And so... This information she gets is a vertical bar for each day that has the highest my heart rate has been and the lowest my heart rate has been. But she's looking at this over a period of a month, and so she gets a beautiful picture of the ups and downs of my heart rate. And my lower rate has been running about 50 uh, that I suspect is the mornings when I get up. And again, she says, that's a little bit lower than I want it to be. I would like for your heart rate to be up a little bit. And again, we're changing your medications uh, to be able to uh, bring that heart rate back up again. So those are two personal experiences as a result of digital data, of moving it from a wearable personal sensor through the Internet into my electronic health record that is looked at by my provider and actions are taken. So rather than depending on when I go see her, which is once a year for an annual physical, I'm able to be monitored 
mm-hmm. and I became acutely aware of two things. One is the data within the system is is only random when I go into the system, but most of my life is lived outside the system, and so if I'm if I can detect physiological signals on my body through wearable sensors and and having some analytics take place so that somebody knows when it's time to intervene, I think will have the greatest impact on the health of the, of the community because we're going to know something is going to happen before it happens. And if you think about most of the things that happen to people, strokes, for example, and, and myocardial infarctions, there's a signal, there's a warning that these are going to happen and quick intervention is awful frequently life-saving. So those are those are my personal. So when I look at, at my own electronic data, uh, I'm interested in how it changes, how it, how it, what it really means to me and my behavior, more so than I'm worrying about a, a graph or a, or a table with numbers in it. So my whole idea of what a personal health record has changed completely. It's I need to see the data to interpret what it means to me and my behavior, and that's how I behave. Okay, so the bottom line that I understood is data, knowing your own data, whether you're a patient or not, because this is data also about not having a specific disease, but knowing yourself. It's the same way we know what kind of things we want to wear, what kind of food we like. So this is knowing exactly... Your physical status and where you are and the numbers that usually doctors get to see and sort of raising your knowledge and then making the right choices. This is and changing your behavior, as you had said, which is right, really important. Um, I get it. So, Catherine, um, where are we now? How do you how I don't find it. Yeah, honestly, I don't think it would be hard convincing people. Obviously, it might be a little bit outside your field. We're talking professionals to professionals. Suddenly, it seems to me, all of you, maybe Anna is more used to it because she speaks to students, but you're trying to make all all of us that, you know, um, a carpenter or somebody change the way they act. So you're shifting the conversation and sort of taking it out from what you usually do in events like this, where one professional talks to the other one and you're talking the same language and everybody understands, which in my, since I do come from marketing, um, I, you need a lot of that in there. I don't know if you agree. Do, would you, do you think it would be easy for you? So I guess I get answer two ways to your challenge. Uh, the first way is people has, have the power, right? People have the power. And the second thing, I would like to rephrase what we are thinking about the digital health compass and say, we would like to bring the innovation in our lives. And innovation is about data, but we need to know what these data mean to us. So I would like to have the data through standards serve as the catalyst in the information we see around us. And, and the narrative has shifted. It's, as you say, it's no longer about professionals speaking to professionals. It's about a narrative that involves all stakeholders. It's about a narrative where people have the power to understand the disease, to understand why the, the disease means to them. In a discussion we had with Ed yesterday, he, men- he mentioned that we have these large brackets for diseases which actually are not one disease, but many. So we need to figure that out. And to figure that out, we need a lot of research. So that's where 
multidisciplinary research come into play and we'll need standards that would give us accurate data to play with, right? Okay, so in my opinion, you're going to start, one, telling people how important the data is. It's equal as having money in their pocket, in my opinion, okay, and the power behind it and what they can do. So, on a tomorrow, you have a panel discussion here, but you will be talking to the professionals. There's no, you know, consumers or citizens or human, uh, uh, of course, they're humans, but people not related professionally directly uh, with e-health and digital health. So, it seems digital health has to get out of um, these walls and start um, talking to people. But what are you, what's your key point going to be tomorrow um, at the conversation? How are you going to motivate these people to join your cause? Yeah, uh, first of all, let me point out that uh, in this eHealth week, there is a strong focus on the patient. And actually today, there are quite a few patients also here uh, sharing. Uh, I would uh, add two comments or two uh, messages. Uh, one being that it is equal, it's, it's very important and some of my research shows that a lot of patients uh, appreciate to know, uh, to know uh, or to learn what is common uh, trajectories. What, is, what, can I, what may I expect? Uh, and that's, that's a tough call. But using uh, getting access to the data and be able to communicate and collaborate with patients in the same situation uh, as a peer activity is uh, one of the things that I think uh, that I would uh, call for as an opening up. And I would say that also that the speed of uh, data exchange or is uh, closely related to trust. So the the data exchange travel at the speed of trust. If we're not able to fix the trust equation or the trust issues that people trust in sharing data, uh, we are uh, we will have an immense challenge. So uh, building that trust in the interest of personal dignity is one of the key points that I will emphasize. I think you're in a good place because um, just to say the the GDPR, which was the regulation about data voted by the European Union, since we are in Europe, is now under actually you know, there's two years until it comes into force in 2018 in May. So it's a conversation I think you're well placed and uh, it's at the beginning. What we're going to be doing with data and who's going to be controlling it is a big conversation. Keep on hearing about it. So, Ed, tomorrow on the panel, what is the message you want to get across? So, I think the first thing that, uh, that I would say is that everybody is a patient. I, I mean, I don't care what your profession is. You're interested in your health and, and the future of your health. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, the second that I would say is that in, in order to compare your health and what it is and what it should be really requires comparison. And digital data permits me to do that because, because I'm, for example, I talked about weighing myself every day and, and knowing what I'm eating, and there's a, there's a lot of correlation with that. So I'm recognizing, for example, that volume of what I eat probably has more to do with my weight than what I eat. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly engaging in research, if you will, on a personal level. 
And, and that's part of the message that I really hope to get across is, is the fact that, that we need to understand how important our health is to us. And really good health starts at birth or even pre-birth because many of the, of the habits uh, are developed young and many of the things that ultimately end up being a serious disease start very young. And so it's a continuous process. Unfortunately, most of us have paid little attention until we reach the point in our life of where it begins to have an impact on what we were able to do. So I've been very conscious, my own self, of, uh, of doing things that, that challenged me a little bit. And uh, I think that's important. It's really the person who has the most interest in your health ought to be you. And you use the data that we're talking about, available from lots of different sources, to guide you and trying to be as healthy as you possibly can. Uh, you pointed out a good, I like the point where you said it's, it is about individual um, medicine and taking care of yourself, but doctors cannot have knowledge if they don't have data from other patients so they can correlate your numbers with them. So it's interesting because the data is important, not just for yourself and protecting yourself. There's no knowledge if the medical world doesn't have data of all the system. So, Catherine, what is your message going to be at tomorrow? So, we have funding for a project called eStandards. And this project is, uh, is about building the standards that will enable large-scale e-health deployment. And in that project, we first wrote a white paper the case for formal standardization, where we took the perspectives of the health system that wants to communicate with other health systems and, and care of the patients in the health system, uh, the workforce that needs to adjust to the digital health aids, the citizen that wants to navigate the system, our topic for today, and the market that needs to find a way to be profitable in a data-driven economy, right? So... In that context, we have developed a number of recommendations, and some of them I would like to put at the forefront tomorrow. One of them, for instance, is how do we use standards to free the data, to make them available across jurisdictions, to mix data that come from the patient and from different providers and health systems, potentially globally, and create patient summaries, for instance, that come um, from different places and are meaningful. So all these are enabled by standards, and we want to make them relevant for all these stakeholders that eventually have the say. But for first and foremost, it's the patient. The patients that we want to be an active part of the health ecosystem. That was a good wrap-up. Um, it's a con when they talk about standards and interoperability, guys, this is a conversation about fitting the plug into the socket. And uh, don't think that your data, just because you have it, means you can plug it into any system. Ed is putting his finger up. I like it. <laughs> I want to say one thing. When the population of the world became two, we needed a standard. And I think you're following a standard in this interview. You have a process that's a standard and in, in, in you're doing that. And standards are part of everyday life. I mean, there's a toaster in our hotel. 
that says use sliced bread only because it complies with the standard in size and everything else. The side of the road we drive on, our life is full of standards, mm-hmm. and yet when 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 we face that we are creating standards, there's resistance to doing that. But standards is the only way we can live a civilized life in the world. Anna. Uh, I would also like to add to the discussion of standards because there are, of course, obvious challenges to standardization in, in healthcare. And that relates to the complexity of the practices, the different constituencies, the different stakeholders. But I think also most, and, uh, most importantly, we as uh, patients or humans wanted to also to want and requires to be treated as persons and not as uh, something else and that adds tremendously to the challenges of projects like e-standards or development sustainable development uh, and use of standards in healthcare okay Guys, we're going to wrap this up. We're already 32 minutes into this interview. Um, so this is at the beginning, I realize, and uh, we can't actually say that you can share uh, a website about this, but you can follow up these people. Um, look them up and you'll see what they're doing around it. Um, the panelists tomorrow here at eHealth Week, maybe there will be outcomes and then they can uh, publicize. Uh, but I'm sure we'll see him in other events also. So I would like to thank Stein from the ladies this time. Um, Ona Moen, President for the European Federation for Medical Informatics and Professor at the University of Oslo. I hope I make it there one day. As I said, I want to see the, the painting by, how do I pronounce him? Munch. Munch. I say Munch, but it's, you say Munch. That's correct. Catherine Kornaki, Secretary General for the HL7 Form, um, Foundation. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. It, it has been such a pleasure and I hope we do reach a call for action that we will share with you tomorrow. I like it. I like it. You're to the point and you're, you're a doer. You want to make it happen. And last but not least, Ed Hammond, all the way from the US. He's director for the Duke Center for Health Informatics and chair emeritus for the HL7 International. It was a pleasure having you with us. Thank you very much. And I might mention to you that in my full belief that informatics covers the world, I actually have appointments in four different departments at Duke University, professor of community family medicine, school of medicine, research professor in the school of nursing, professor in the department of biomedical engineering in the school of engineering, and adjunct professor in the school of business. So informatics truthfully covers the globe. I agree with you down the bottom. So this was Vicky Kolovu from for Tech Talk Center here from the Health Week. We'll be back. Bye for now. You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Be part of the conversation. Join the Health Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October.